Welcome to the Authentic Presence Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Delio. Earlier today, I sat down with John Douglas, who is a meditation teacher, trainer, and psychotherapist in West Cork. We sat at his kitchen table together with his two dogs, Masha and Emil, exploring together, finding self-compassion in our grief. So we want to talk about self-compassion while grieving. And um, these days, especially this year, has been so hard. And now we're going into the dark period, at least uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. And I've talked to a number of people who are literally holding their breath as if going underwater, isn't it? So... And self-compassion is so key and, and really holding ourselves with great kindness when we are hurting. But John, in your experience, why is it so hard to be kind to ourselves when we are hurting? We have... I think fundamentally we judge it. We judge our experience. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to feel pain. And... We in some way reject or judge that. We want mm. to we want to move on, we want to feel better, we want to feel nice. So there's this kind of a subtle judgment or rejection of what's actually happening inside us. And um, the minute we get into some way of resisting or judging mm. our experience, we start to, I don't know, we tighten up. There's a kind of a tightening or something mm. that happens inside of us, not just in our minds. And it, when you mentioned holding your breath underwater as the image, I think this is literally what happens is in a funny way we start to hold our breath. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about grief or loss, but it's a huge amount of anxiety in here. It's huge. Anxiety is a huge part of loss. And <laughs> many of us actually when we start to feel anxious, we mightn't get to the level of panic attack, but we do get to the level of we start to regulate and tighten our emotions. We almost we start to freeze our breath slightly with much more tighter, shallow breathing. And we do this, I think, often quite unconsciously. It's only when it gets more extreme, like mm. we get when it gets to panic that we mm. notice. But actually we do this a lot in grief. And um, in fact, even when we talk about things like heartache, you know, you know, there's a physical ache here. And it actually happens because at so many levels we, we we squeeze and tighten our breath, our diaphragm, our chest muscles. And we're trying to stop the feelings. Mm. We're trying to protect ourselves. But actually what happens is we kind of get a little bit stuck there. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when we get a little bit stuck and it starts to get painful and things don't flow, then we're more and more trying to, um, I don't know, suppress the word, but... Um, we judge it we don't want it there's a resistance yes. it's hard to be with it's really hard it's to be with it's really hard. hard yeah it's it really is hard. hard yeah and I don't my senses certainly in Ireland and I think as a whole in probably western culture we 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 put a little bit grief gets a little bit kind of shoved under the carpet mm -hmm. you know and we have our funeral or the rituals and then it's some kind of expectation we get on with it. We get on with it. And um, 
actually when we suffer a big loss with somebody who's important in our life there's no such thing as getting on with it you know mm -hmm. there's a whole process of grieving uh, mourning that has to we have to go through um, but we don't talk about it so much we don't know what to expect and um, yeah we judge it mm. we judge it yeah. Yeah. So really we have um, in my own work or experiences almost we really have to learn how to be kind to ourselves isn't it to really learn it and I when I reflected on the topic I also looked at where in my life are the role models who taught me to be kind to myself and they're few and far in between <laughs> and um, so it's just, this is this learning that's okay it's okay to treat myself with kindness in a way I would treat other people in the same way and um, and that with uh, yeah with in the contemplative approach we um, it's this notion that being with is actually such a powerful way of, of healing or mm -hmm. learning that we can through being with or sitting with move through our experience of loss but it takes trust, doesn't it? That, that to really know I, I can hold it, I have that space within myself. Mm. I think mm. we, yes, we need to trust ourselves, mm. we need to trust the process, mm -hmm. and we need to, even harder, to trust our own feelings and experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I certainly think it's helpful for people to know a little bit about the, the processes of grief. Mm. Because then when we start to recognize it, rather than judging ourselves or thinking there's something wrong, then it, there's a little bit we can more trust what we're going through. Um, certainly, um, I often say that one of the first stages of grieving is, it can just be a numbness or denial, just to shut down. It mm -hmm. does things seem unreal. It's almost like we're on autopilot. Um, uh, you use the word denial, but uh, sometimes it sound, might sound a bit judgmental. I, I don't mean it in that sense at all. I think Anthony de Mello said that denial is a cushion for the soul. <laughs> Actually, yeah. it's just we've mm. lived with somebody for, for 20, 30 mm. years, mm. or somebody's been a big part mm. of our lives, mm. for, um, uh, uh, and suddenly they're gone. It's mm -hmm. just, it's too much to take in. Mm -hmm. Everything, our whole life, everything's changed. Everything changes, you know. And um, we, it's just we literally cannot process and take all of that in at once. We just, mm -hmm. our system shuts us, shuts us down to protect us. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually numbness and autopilot in a funny way is, is, is an act of self-compassion. Mm -hmm. even though we don't realize because mm -hmm. just the enormity taking it in yeah. well that's actually good to hear and really yeah. also validating yeah um that that's it's it's um that also helps us to function it helps us to function and that's nothing because uh, being aware or holding ourselves to to the a standard of i have to be aware of a certain way of moving through it is it's um we need these um i sometimes call it crutch but it's not also again that there is there's a judgmental tone in it when i say crutch or you say you know, autopilot and, and here the dogs are with us <laughs> um 
it's, it, yeah, just to just <laughs> as long as I'm aware that actually I do gardening now. I watch this show on TV. Um, I walk the dogs, and just for this moment of freedom, not looking at it, that actually gives me a kind of strength again to to look at it when when I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah. I think. When it's most difficult, we can sometimes alternate a bit between very mm. strong mm. fear, anxiety, mm. that the heartache, that level that really we feel we're falling apart, and then we might just slip to to numbness, and that's how it works or autopilot. And then, of course, all of us will have moments, you know, when we're more functional and more able to do things, uh, and we do we cycle through we cycle through experiences, you know. Um, and realizing, I think realizing what we are going through, what's happening, and just catching it. I think this is the awareness to say, "Wow, okay, mm. I've just gone a bit fuzzy. I'm numb. I think numb again. Or wow, I'm just this anxiety is rising within me, or this is heartache." And really, really kind of noticing, "Wow, this hurts. And this is difficult." Uh, rather than judging or thinking, "I should be over this, or I should be more able to deal, or be." Be some of the way, just say, well, this is how I am at this moment. It changes, of course, it will change, but in this moment, this is what I'm experiencing. And just meeting that experience with kindness. And it's a funny thing that if we, our best friend or loved one was grieving or going through what we're going through, we would just want to hug them. Mm. We're so gentle, so mm -hmm. kind. Mm -hmm. We just give them space. We'd encourage them just to stop what they're doing take more time for themselves to do things that are nourishing or where they just feel safe and protected and kind of cosy. Yet for ourselves, there's so often there's something just pushing or driving us that we should be over it or feel differently. And just watching this kind of paradox, becoming aware of it initially, because that's, that's the first step. It's just seeing, just seeing what we're doing internally. And then just deep breath, and maybe a hand at the heart, mm. two hands at the heart. <laughs> mm. Feel that, mm. really just feel the contact. And we can't do more than just be ourselves. And the more that we can just sit with our experience and be kind to it, um, um, just say breathe into it instead of trying to breathe it, out, breathe it away, mm. breathing into it, then... I but it's not all, holding in, not breathing into it, it's not no, holding it it's in. it's very different. Mm. Uh, we, we, actually, as from children, we learn how to regulate our emotions in different ways using our breath. <laughs> this, it's a whole science in mm. this one. But we do it very much around anxiety and, and grief and heartache. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the term heartache, there is a physical muscle ache here. Mm. And this is often, the diaphragm is very involved in this, our breath. We squeeze. Mm. I do it. I, I do it with anxiety. I, you know, I, I start to squeeze my tummy muscles <laughs> to kind of, I don't know, block, knock, what do you say, block the butterflies or something. But funnily, actually, when we get the knack of it, rather than squeezing our breath, actually taking the deep breath, really feeling our breath, breathing into the place where we feel tight, and particularly then as we breathe out again, Consciously releasing, mm. consciously sending ourselves some kind of softness, mm. 
to the, the Tibetans have been, or Mahayana Buddhists, I guess, have been doing this for thousands of years. We call it the practice of Tonglen. Mm. And it's always been using the, the medium of our breath. And just in the last 20 years, all the scientific research has shown uh, around how our autonomic nervous system, and particularly the vagal, the vagus nerve works, it's very connected with our breath. And when we breathe in, when we breathe in, there's a kind of a strengthening, uh, the sympathetic or nervous mm -hmm. system kicks in. Uh, and as we breathe out, there's the opposite, this releasing effect. And when we've got a good sense of ourselves and our, our emotions, good contact, actually there's this beautiful regulation with our breathing. We breathe in the deep breath, we feel, we enter, we just, just meet, we meet mm. ourselves. Uh, and even if what we're meeting is difficult, there is this kind of, um, I don't know, it's a bit like when you walk down a, maybe a dark road at night and you hear a noise. It's this deep breath, this kind of bracing, this meeting mm. quality. There's, there's a strength or something in that. Mm. And then you realise uh, it's only a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's this big out breath, mm. the mm. softening. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we tend to do in grief is we we do a, <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. a little in this in breath mm -hmm. in our chest tight and mm -hmm. we hold and then we have to stay there and we, yeah. and we breathe yeah. and it stays yeah. up here yeah. and what it's almost like we, we kind of activate the mm -hmm. this fight flighty kind of mm -hmm. quality in us mm -hmm. and there's a there's an angst there's a vigilance yeah. there's something and yeah. we stay in that well, actually, what we really need is this deep breath and really slow release, just really sending ourselves mm -hmm. kindness mm -hmm. and softness. Um, uh, as I as I do that, I can really. It's almost like as I have a long, slow breathing out, I can feel that, like there's a releasing through my shoulders. I feel my heart softening. I feel my chest just kind of. It's, it's very visceral, you know. Yeah. Uh, Grief is visceral. It's a visceral experience. Yes. We hold it, as you're describing, we're holding it in our body and and using the breath and the way you describe it is a beautiful and a very conscious and deliberate way to be kind. Because when we when I hear, oh, be kind, how I, how do we practice this? Practice <laughs> and, yes. It's not mm. watching TV or eating chocolate, you know, or over, overeating or overdoing things. It's, so meeting it with our breath in a very fundamental, yeah. almost primal we, way. Isn't when it? we, yeah. you know, uh, go for comfort eating or yeah. watching, you know, yeah. Netflix or things like that, yeah. we're trying to be kind because we want, we, we think that this will bring us relief or mm -hmm. escape. Mm -hmm. And at some level it does, that's why we do it. And, and But more fundamentally what happens, I think, is that... Uh, there's something's activated, the anxiety, the heartache, and uh, it's, it's almost lodged in the system. We're there, we're tight, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're tense, there's adrenaline, mm -hmm. and then we're running, we're looking outside for something to mm -hmm. soothe that, but actually, we never actually let yeah. go of the charge. Yeah. So even then, sometimes we're sitting on the couch watching Netflix or mm -hmm. even the chocolate, it distracts us, but the, that sense of disease, so that sense of tightness, yeah. of holding, I know for myself, it just is there under the surface. But don't you think sometimes, you know, watching a movie that's very emotional or kind of brings up emotions in myself, 
then to release the tears like actually then there is a cathartic you know i know some friends you know we watch a good movie to have a good cry <laughs> you know it helps it kind of it gives us permission it gives us permission to have a good cry and um uh yeah just to feel what we are feeling in, in a space that's uh soft and kind and and you also know, okay, then it's oh, done, you know, I can manage it, isn't it? Also a little bit, I can manage it. Use the term, a good cry. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a difference, actually. Mm. I think when mm. we're cosy on the couch with friends, mm. then and we, we touch emotion and loss and grief inside and just gently let it out. And it's very cathartic, very mm. releasing. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need to do more of it maybe <laughs> and that's a good cry mm. uh, but sometimes the other I don't know a bad cry can you call it that sometimes we just get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and we're just there in this sense of, of loss and anxiety and we can't seem to get out of it yeah. we stay there stuck, and yeah. we're, we, we, we cry we're very anxious very a lot of energy flowing but there's not a release. We don't so how do you get out of that if you find yourself in that place? I, I think it's self, you can call it self-compassion, uh, but I would put that with self-soothing. Mm -hmm. There's something that we really have to, um, I'm putting two hands at my heart here, I'm pushing slightly, but it's that really that sense of self-contact. Mm -hmm. It's like, ooh, again, the deep breath, feeling the warmth of my own hands, feeling the mm. contact because it's grounding this is bringing me back into my body connecting with my feelings whereas the other the other where we're just i don't know overwhelmed it's like our feelings have escalated and i'm kind of um, it's just overthinking yeah there's overthinking the yes. energy gets mm -hmm. so high mm -hmm. and then we find ourselves more running around it's a bit um a bit more frantic yeah but it's that mode, the more frantic mode, I think, where we go looking for the, um, you know, looking for the, the comfort, the food, or the the, mm -hmm. the alcohol, mm -hmm. or the, um, the more, the watching Netflix not in the good way, but just <laughs> trying to avoid, you know, mm -hmm. procrastinating or avoiding dealing with things. Uh, so all of these things, from a, a, a Western kind of nervous system point of view it's, just, it's all fight and flight we're just yeah. so up there yeah. angsty yeah. so we need kindness and compassion mm. Whoa, we mm. just need the deep breath um yeah. uh, but also social yeah. contact another person and a pre human presence who's somebody's with their good friend um who listens and and now it's even harder with the pandemic where many of us are home alone or it's it's isn't don't you think it's also harder it's kind of magnified you know maybe i can call somebody up or i can have a phone call or a zoom call skype call whatsapp call it's um that even matters more now that con contact and connection it, it is mm -hmm. it is a lot harder mm -hmm. um, i think everyone is different in their grief and mm -hmm. we have our own wishes around company and what we want um, what most people do want though is they they want to still be part of life mm -hmm. but they just don't want to have to um <laughs> don't want to have to smile or engage at, at the way that we might have used to when we felt you know we were in the fullness of ourselves mm -hmm. so 
but certainly the sense of other the sense of contact with others is huge and um, so important. Generally, grief is seen as a can be seen as a social emotion, mm-hmm. you know, um, and even when we are grieving that heartache, where there's anxiety. As humans, it's like we want to connect when we feel anxious. That's where we feel safe. Mm-hmm. This sense of trust and safety with others, particularly. So it is a lot harder. It is a lot harder. And um, certainly in Ireland, the, the traditions around um, around the funeral, the wake, even seeing the body, um, uh, taking time to you know the visits and saying farewell, depending on the, mm. the circumstances of somebody's um, passing. A lot of that's been desperately curtailed. And yeah. that's so it makes it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be harder even uh, to make the death feel real, to mm-hmm. get through that, that first stage of maybe just the unrealness, the kind of, um, because things just don't feel real, they don't land. Yeah. Um, but then, but of course, yes, in the bigger picture of just grieving and mourning, it's just so helpful to be around others. Ideally, it's others that understand grief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of us, Let you know, mm. when we don't want to go to a, a, some kind of circle where we're expected to smile and put on, you know, that kind of... Well, we can't The social face, we, we yeah. Put the, on a, a, the social face, mm. because that's, that's oh, way too painful. Yeah. We yeah. have to. What we want is company where we can just be ourselves. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but with everything being ourselves, so I might have a really good day and I'm laughing and I'm allowed to yes. do that. Yes. Yeah, and might be in my deepest grief has also been my experience, but not to be judged. Yeah. Uh, however, I feel, whatever behavior I <laughs> exhibit, <laughs> yes. you know. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Of course, and, and that, of course, is sometimes harder, hard in families, you know, because mm. um, well, I may be at one place in my grief today mm-hmm. and you're at a different place. And yesterday you wanted to smile and have fun, and I was just really, <laughs> really down. <laughs> and today suddenly I just see a window of, of hope, and I just mm-hmm. oh, I feel more relaxed. Yeah. Um, but it's harder for you to be around me. So it's funny, isn't it? That I think one image mm-hmm. they sometimes give of grief is uh, with families is like a roller coaster, and we all want to be in the same carriage mm-hmm. together. Yeah. But the truth is, you know, <laughs> we're all a different one. Different ones, and we yeah. have to be able to. Honor that. Mm-hmm. Have to honor that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's harder, you know, if um, we're a parent and we have children that we have to mind, or others that we have to mind and feel responsible for. Then we do sometimes have to put a mask up. Mm-hmm. Um, we do this out of love and compassion, but there's a cost. There's a cost to mm-hmm. us. Um, certainly, then, if we can find ways um, in our schedule or our week to to put a little bit of time just for ourselves in this, mm. I think particularly if we're responsible for others and we're yeah. living the mask, um, then it's really good, to, you know, really good to do that. You are listening to the Authentic Presence Podcast. Yeah, quiet time is very healing. I hear that um, from my own experience also from people who accompany that quiet time. Even so, you kind of tread it sometimes, you know, or when, when people, you know, leave the house and you're then really alone. 
but once you settle into it, you feel that it can be very healing, kind of that just being with yourself, not having to pretend yeah. to be something or someone. You know. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. Uh, I don't define the words here, mm. but it's a kind of a quality, quiet time. Because yeah. if it's quiet time where I'm just lonely or anxious, yes. I feel mm. really just heartbroken and just because there's such a restlessness in that, yeah. then that's hard. Actually, mm -hmm. and that's, that's, where, that's where loneliness mm -hmm. or feelings of I don't know, abandonment, all mm -hmm. kinds of yes. much. Mm -hmm. So quality, quiet time where we can um, have the good tears, mm -hmm. it's not so easy. Sometimes yeah. I think we do have to <clears throat> yeah, schedule it in or make it, <laughs> or yeah. it's almost like ritual, saying, well, actually, at such and such a time on Friday morning or whatever, I will I will sit down and I light a candle mm. and I will make it cosy and there won't be any disturbances and I will write or journal or just do something that really honours my feelings and remembers, honours whoever it is I've lost. But it's time that I I, I I'm nurtured or held. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I think we have to make that. We have yeah. to make that space yeah. because it'd be very easy to just kind of all go through these alternations between maybe just feeling numb, shut down, not wanting to do anything, staring at the telly, or just going through our life on autopilot, or being much more more anxious and restless mm -hmm. and flipping back to forth. Mm -hmm. So we do sometimes really have to. Create the same spaces. Yeah. You, you use the word rituals. Rituals are very empowering, aren't they? In, in this context, general. Mm. To have a ritual, you're saying having quiet time, lighting a candle, especially in the dark, <laughs> in the dark winter, to light a candle. It's, it, it's, it's, a, yes, uh, it's not only about be, getting cozy, but it's also. Yeah, I think we sure regain and reclaiming also hopefulness, you know. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I think there's something about ritual mm. more from or more formally setting things up that just it, it shifts our mood, it changes our focus or way of attending to things mm. in a certain way. And yes, even just making the table neat and tidy. <laughs> Lighting a candle, mm. taking a photo out, mm -hmm. and putting pen and paper in front mm. of us, even if we don't write, there's something about creating that space. And I think if we can do that communally with a few more people, then there's a there's such a tenderness mm. and a beauty because mm -hmm. we we create we kind of create this intimate space between us. And if we know that um, <laughs> yeah, on Friday evening at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, just for half an hour, we mm -hmm. make sure it's very manageable, yeah. that we're all just going to sit quietly, mm -hmm. light a candle, take a photo out, and mm -hmm. um, just say a little bit of how we are, or talk just a few memories, something like that. I think it's, it's just so beneficial. And I think ritual, I think if you... If you think it through and set it up, because it, it can be very simple, everybody knows what to expect. I think this is the power of which the people, because there's much less anxiety. When yes. I know this is going to mm -hmm. happen, then mm -hmm. this there's this, a structure. Yeah, there's a structure, mm -hmm. and 
something like a candle or something gives us a focal point outside of ourselves that we can mm-hmm. there's a lot more safety in yeah. it i just want to share something um a friend of mine she just did with her husband they're both in their 70s and they realized they needed time together to remember all the people they have lost in their marriage and they've been married for like 50 years and they have a big um, dining room table so she laid out all the candles for each per- one candle for each person and the picture and their name and they sat and went around the table and just remembered everyone with love and I thought isn't that beautiful and also co- I found also very courageous to do that to to take that time and do it together when we when we take the time mm. and uh, I'm not saying that I do often enough <laughs> yeah. at all yeah. but when we take it there's a beauty in that mm. and when it's safe there's a tenderness that can come mm. that it, this is where the good tears mm-hmm. and there's an honoring mm-hmm. and there's a sense of releasing and moving forward that embraces the past uh, that can be so uh, what comes to mind is um, we have all souls night here the night after Hall- night after halloween but in ireland anyway in november yeah. and um not this year because of covid but in the last couple of years we've always um We've had a few people around, close friends, and we would have dinner, and we'd have a long table, and we would leave one one chair, mm. <laughs> one chair empty. We'd set a place and just leave a chair empty at the end of the table, you know. And then uh, it's almost like the welcoming whoever's you know whoever's missing or lost or or gone. Mm. And um, then we would just take it in turns to light a candle. People would bring a photo if they wanted to, to dinner. We might put them on the mantelpiece with a candle or two. And then at just one point, then we'd just all take a turn just to say who or say a little bit about the photo or who they've lit, lit the candle for. And there's such, um, no, there's such an intimacy in that. And I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to hard to put words to the tenderness and that, or the sense of intimacy that you. Mm-hmm. But it allows us all to have a, to touch that open open-hearted place within us. Very easily, and there's something about representing things with you know candles or pictures, takes it out of ourselves. We we have that little bit of extra space from it on our feelings, and we share this together. Um, I don't know, I, I just sit here with this, such a this tingles on my spine. This is, you know, this yeah. big smile on my face uh, as I say this. Because um, I, I think it's so helpful, so helpful to know that we're not alone, that others yeah. go through the same thing. That that that's healing, it's, isn't it? To really, one. to really also to see it, to feel it, and be in community. Um, and these days. Maybe for, for so many of us, there are a lot of empty chairs. And um, so also knowing these um, these connections are still there. The love is still there. And the love just needs, needs to find a way to express itself again in our life. So that that's, has been also for me the learning. You know, um, a loss doesn't, it's not about to stop loving. 
So, um, yeah, so for everyone who sits there with a lot of empty chairs, just, um, yeah, the compassionate, um, yeah, the compassionate gestures to really to hold ourselves kindly and, um, and reach out and even, yeah, if you can make a phone call or, um, to reach out and share, you know, how you share now with me. Yeah, we just sat down and we had the idea we talk about grieving and self-compassion that happened, you know. Um, and also to know once we are meeting our grief with compassion, with kindness, with love, to also see we are so much more, there's so much more to us you know, than this one emotion that moves that yeah. moves and um, yeah there's um, so much more depth to our being and the connection you know the when you when you described you know how you celebrated with your friends or when I heard how my friend celebrated the life of all the people and there was so much joy in her voice and so much love and tenderness and um, and hopefulness and hopefulness you know It's a grieving process because there is enough anxiety, mm. and we do we withdraw mm. with anger mm. when we're fearful. Yeah. We withdraw into ourselves, mm. into the shell. We do it to protect. <laughs> mm. Yet, uh, in that withdrawing, we kind of lose. Uh, we lose mm. contact with. We lose a sense of connection. We lose. We lose the, the, the possibilities, and we lose a. We forget the experience of ourselves as a much bigger connected, connected being. Um, one of the one of the models of self compassion um, that I, I, I really like is from Kristen Nephews, is it? Um, she's a well known American author researcher, um, and she talks of just these three simple stages mm. with self compassion. Um, the first is simply to be aware that we're suffering, actually to acknowledge, wow, this is difficult. It sounds so simple, mm. but we don't often take that step. Wow, this is difficult. I'm. This is a moment of suffering. Because I think there's something, even in just saying that to myself, there's a, a mental standing back here. It's like we take a step back from our experience mm. and we're holding it in awareness mm. rather than just mm. responding or you know acting it out, mm. you might say. Yeah. That, that, that is important. I want to just pause there for a moment. Mm. To actually acknowledge, oh, this is a moment of suffering. Yeah. This is huge, and not as, and then also no, no, not also to say I'm not my suffering, but there is suffering. There is space in that, isn't it? There is. Mm -hmm. the, the minute we say that this is a moment of suffering, or wow, I'm going. This is really difficult. What it's I'm hard, going through. Yeah. Mm. Immediately, there's a, there is. I think there's. I'd call it a mental stepping, taking one step back mentally. It's, um, You're less identif identifying. Less right? identification. Mm. So it's lovely. Um, the Dalai Lama sometimes <laughs> uses the image of an egg, and he holds an egg in his hand, and he, and if he, he puts it, puts the egg, puts the hand of the egg right up in front of his his eyes, he says, "If I see my suffering like this, it's everything. I can see nothing but this egg, <laughs> the suffering." And then he takes his hand away and just puts it away in front of him. He says, well, from this angle, it's the same thing, but I just see that it's just an egg. Mm -hmm. and it's not to um, 
not to minimalize grief in any way, but sometimes we we do over identify and we get so tight with it, mm-hmm. and we we close in on ourselves and our experience. But something of just saying this is just a moment of suffering uh, I'm going through. There's a mental just a stepping back. I'm doing all kinds of things with my arms. <laughs> Not quite work, but it is. Uh, there's something about that just mentally stepping back, having slightly bigger perspective. Wow, this is a moment of real suffering. And then what do I do with that? How do I respond when I see that suffering? We can respond with some judgment. I should be over this by now. <laughs> but, you know, actually just to respond with kindness as if it was our best friend or our loved one or our mm-hmm. child that we'd seen who was suffering. Mm-hmm. Just responding with that same space, warmth, and literally... Yeah, I see you're touching your heart. No, it's kind I of the self soothing. I think touch yeah. is huge. Mm-hmm. Even to, to feel mm-hmm. the power of things like massage, you know, it's, mm-hmm. there's, yeah, there's the rub of the muscles, but it's actually human touch. Mm-hmm. Human touch. Our bodies respond. Our bodies mm-hmm. respond to gentle touch, yeah. uh, I think soft voices, you know, these kind of. Yeah. And this is also comforting when we when somebody is grieving. If they're open to it, to just to hold them. Because there are no words who can reach the pain. Just to hold them again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the good tear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the good tears come often mm-hmm. when we're, we're held. Mm-hmm. When we can be held, we don't have to do anything, be anything, say anything, feel anything other than what I, than how mm-hmm. I am. And it's huge, that kind of release is... I think probably going back once upon a time <laughs> when we all lived in the Serengeti or something, we all we, we shared with such a smaller yeah. communal, we lived much yeah. more communally. And to acknowledge and this is part of life. Yeah, the suffering and loss is part of the human experience. It is shared. It is. So we are not unique and there's nothing wrong with us. Um, I often get, I get a bit sometimes upset when I when I see people. Or, yeah, this notion of that grief is almost like a disease. It's or um, not grief is a normal process. It's a process we all go through in life. Yeah. It's part of our human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Being alive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I work as a counselor and I have so much experience around bereavement and mourning yet I still notice myself that I I, I, mm. I feel this anxiety or awkwardness of, of what do I say it's such a funny one you know you see somebody you know is recently bereaved in the supermarket and depending on the person as an awkwardness because of course we want to know how they are ask them then also we know that I know that sometimes in my in my past, when things have been difficult, whether it's bereavement or living with illness or things like that, it's like I don't want to think of it. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I want to go out and do go to go shopping or go for a walk <laughs> and just forget about it all. And it so depends on the mood I'm in, you know. So there is, and I think then when we we're you know we are bereaved or ill or whatever we're going through, and of course we pick up on the other person's anxiety. So. There's just, there's some kind of 
it's helpful to have an awareness or acknowledgement that it is awkward territory. Mm. Uh, and it seems to be in the culture, we don't talk about it so much, which makes it more awkward. But actually, the easiest thing is not to, not always to say words, is presence. I think that somebody who's grieving or going through any kind of life crisis is to take a moment, you say hi, but then you don't lead. Mm. I think sometimes asking mm. somebody how they are is can be unkind. It's almost an unkind. Yeah, but how do you what do you say? Yeah. How does how do they respond? So learning to be with our own discomfort, isn't it? Just to be uncomfortable. That's okay to be uncomfortable. Learning, yeah. finding a way to be mm. with our own vulnerability mm. around others, mm. how to be with that, and, and remembering how to connect at the slightly deeper level of presence. Mm. You know. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I see you, mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't have to fill that space immediately with conversation or how are you or it must be awful for you, uh, because, mm -hmm. but actually just hi, mm -hmm. hello, yeah, and leave and leave a space, mm -hmm. um, and that allows some allows you know the person who's grieving or or you know ill depending what the situation is, it allows them to respond into connection with you. And what's and what's most appropriate mm. for them, yeah. and if the day they just want to talk about the weather, or the or the uh, whatever the news, then that's okay. Absolutely, absolutely. fine. Mm. Absolutely mm. fine. And uh, yeah. but I think we we respond and attune to others so quickly if we give that space and we show we're just present and open with no agenda, you know, mm. and. Is we, we can be in some sense with our own vulnerability in that space and just okay with yeah. it. I find it helpful to, when I'm in the presence of somewhere, I meet somebody in the supermarket. Yeah, go back to the example, yeah. happens, you know. <laughs> and I yes. know this people, this person is really going through a rough period, maybe a loss, a loss of a relationship. Um, there are so many losses, not just to death, but. Um, and there's initial this discomfort, oh, what should I say? You know, that there's an urge yeah, where I have to say something. But to recognize this urge to say something, to find a way to acknowledge this, to find a way to make it better for the other person, is also deeply kind. It's not always about my own stuff. <laughs> yeah, but there's also, there's also to recognize when I feel this, um, this discomfort, and then that's part of feeling vulnerable. And that that's the moment I connect. That's the moment if I catch that early <laughs> and not go into habitual or oh, talking over things or um, how are you? Well that must be awful. When my mother died, one person met me in, in the supermarket and said, Oh, you're half orphan then. And I was stunned. I didn't know how to respond to that. I was still shocked about how dare you tell me I'm half an orphan. I was like, um, yeah, but I, in hindsight, I realized the person just didn't know better, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally, yeah. probably totally tongue-tied, totally yeah. feeling awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just blabbing out the first thing that came to yeah. their mind. Yeah. Uh, well, and then sometimes say, oh. I, I've been there, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to say, oh, what I just said wasn't helpful, was it? I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> you know? To be kind to ourselves when we're in that, you know, as yeah. well, and to say it. Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you, John, for taking the time here with your two doggies on a lovely um, day, afternoon. The sun is shining outside one day. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. It was um, a very tender conversation, <laughs> actually. I re yeah, It's revisiting lots of things in my own mind. And uh, thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening today. If you like to get updates about upcoming events, programs and other resources, please join our mailing list at authentic-presence.org.